Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast providing in-depth analysis and coverage of your favorite Milwaukee Brewers by Peter and David Go. Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, playoff edition. David, we have made it. It is October. Brewers already. Uh, I think it's exciting given that the last month has kind of been leading up to the playoffs. We didn't have the exciting finish that we've had in many years past, but I think that's a good thing. And of course, we're entering into first playoff series, hopefully of many, and really excited today to cover what should be a fun series against the Braves. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm really excited. I think for a couple months now, even I've kind of been talking about how I've really been waiting for the postseason to start. The Brewers have really had the NL Central all but locked up for the last really two months since pretty much the all-star break. They've been kind of in cruise control. So seeing the Brewers now finally in the playoffs, the culmination of a great season that, of course, didn't end exactly how you would hope in the regular season. But uh, they are still in the playoffs. They're lined up really well against the Atlanta Braves. And we're here to preview it. We're here to give you the coverage, see how the series might play out. Of course, you never really know with playoff baseball. Uh, we're going to try our best and excited to see what happens. Excited to watch the Brewers playing back in October again. Yeah, playoff baseball is just a different breed. It's it's a different – honestly, it's a different game than the regular season. The the pitching matchups, the bullpen, the uh, – everything, the, even the offensive strategy – uh, we see more small ball in the playoffs. It's just a lot of fun to watch. Of course, every pitch matters a ton. So it's, yeah, it's a blast to watch, regardless of if it's the Brewers or any other team, really. So before we get into previewing the Brewers Brave series and some other topics around the Brewers and the rest of baseball, who is today's random player of the day? Today's random player of the day is Niger Morgan. Wanted to get in the spirit of the National League Division Series coming up here. Niger Morgan, of course, with that legendary walk-off single, Morgan smash up the middle, uh, as Bob Euchre put it so eloquently. Uh, that was already 10 years ago now. Carlos Gomez racing around from second to score. Morgan was really solid that year with the Brewers. Stole 13 bags, hit 304, and provided pretty good defense out in center field. And was kind of the... Uh, the heart and soul of the of the ball club always provided the energy and had a nice career overall pretty short career seven years but was a starting center fielder for a few years hit over 300 a couple times stole 42 bags in 2009 and he of course uh, came back to the Brewers um, to throw out the first pitch a few years ago in the playoffs could we see it happen again potentially um, but either way kind of lives on in Brewers lore as far as one of their postseason legends, uh, despite him only playing for the Brewers for parts of two seasons. Yeah, you think of that 2011 Ryan Braun MVP campaign, and certainly he is remembered for that tremendous season that he did have. But I, I think Niger Morgan is is remembered for his 2011 campaign almost just as much as Ryan Braun, given the personality from both Niger Morgan and Tony Plush in that year, which was a lot of fun as a Brewers fan. And really is crazy to think that that was 10 years ago that base hit up the middle off J.J. Poots, if I remember correctly, and Gomez racing home. Um, certainly a, a baseball memory that goes up there with probably game 163 um, in the last decade or so of Brewers baseball. And, yeah, certainly a legend, I would say, 
in, in the Brewers franchise history and a, a great random player of the day as we approach the National League Division Series. So before we jump in, David, what is today's trivia question? Well, today's trivia question has to do with the postseason matchup the Brewers have before them. Uh, sitting here playing against the Atlanta Braves in the National League Division Series, today's trivia question is when was the last time that the Braves played a postseason game in Milwaukee? So just to repeat, when was the last time that the Braves played a postseason game in Milwaukee? Uh, so this would have been uh, covering across the Braves franchise. Might be a little bit of a trick question. Uh, don't, don't think too hard, uh, but uh, might be, I think it is one of those things where uh, maybe once we say the answer, you might be like, oh, okay. Um, so what year was it? Uh, so that's today's trivia question. We'll get to that at the end of the episode, as always, uh, and see if Peter has the answer for us. Yeah, certainly. I like the I like the uh, Brewers Braves theme there. We've gotten the trivia question, uh, so a great question there, David. So today's first topic that we want to cover. Uh, I'm sure I'm very certain that likely all of you know of the situation at this point. Not sure I need to introduce it too much, but uh, Devin Williams, of course, with that dreadful news. Uh, I can't imagine the emotions that he was feeling having to do a press conference and explain why he was now out for the rest of the season. Most likely that is uh, the Brewers likely second best relief arm and really one of the best relievers in all of baseball in the last two years since he has come up. Of course, Devin Williams after that NL Central uh, Championship nightly celebration decided to punch a wall and uh, break something in his hand and Essentially, he's out for the year. I know that there's a chance he could come back in the World Series, but certainly wouldn't be counting on it. I mean, I don't really exactly know where to start on this, but I guess the first thing to, to look at is how this impacts the Brewers as a team. So how big of a loss do you think Devin Williams is as who, really who has been the Brewers' eighth inning guy and second best reliever behind you know, the best in the game and Josh Hader? Of course, it is a, a big loss. Uh, there's no getting around that. Certainly, you you hate to see it. It's one of those things that, um, especially given the circumstances of how it happened, you're, I mean, I'm sure Devin Williams is kicking himself for doing it. Kind of all Brewer fans are almost kicking themselves. Like, how could how could this have happened? Uh, it, it's, it's a big loss. Uh, there's no way around that. Um, but I, I do think the Brewers would be able to get around it and would be able to uh, can still step up with some of the relief arms they have. They have a pretty wide array of guys that are quality arms that can get outs. Um, and we'll go through some of them as we go through who we think will be on the Brewers postseason roster. Uh, rosters don't get finalized until noon on the day of the first game. So we won't have the rosters known yet until after this episode comes out. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday night. So actually the wild card game going on right now. The Yankees are currently trailing the Red Sox. Uh, but Devin Williams is, yeah, one of the better relievers in baseball. And especially in the playoffs where you really lean on your best starters, your maybe top two, three starters, and your top two or three relievers, to lose someone of Williams caliber uh, certainly puts a big hole in the Brewers roster. Uh, don't want to maybe traumatize or, or, or re-bring re up the trauma of some Brewer fans, but um, Raleigh Fingers, it's always the what if the Brewers had Raleigh Fingers healthy in 1982. And you certainly hope it doesn't become what if Devin Williams was healthy in 2021. Uh, but 
you could certainly see how that might be the case uh, when it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, if we get to a point, NLCS, World Series, I mean, even NLDS for that matter, and the Brewers were to either lose a game or a series, if, if that, uh, because of a late game, you know, blown lead or, you know, tie game, and they've got to bring in Cousins or Boxberger, when you know they would have liked to have gone to Williams. It also puts more stress on Josh Hader, because I know that it's now been talked about maybe Hader does more two-inning stints, which we've talked about the pros and cons of that a little bit, from the fact that, of course, we know that Hader can go two innings. That's how, really how he started, was in that two-three inning role. But he's really been more of a traditional closer, and all of a sudden you throw Josh Hader two innings in game one. For all intents and purposes, he's out for game two. And you've also just got to watch the workload that you put on him so that he's not burned out uh, when hopefully you make it deep into the playoffs into the NLCS or World Series. So I do think it reverberates uh, further across the bullpen. It's not as though they don't have anyone to step up. Uh, I'm really, really the biggest arm. I, I would say the two arms I'm really excited about in the playoffs. Cousins, I hope, hoping that he, I know he has been cleared and should be good to go. Never know exactly how he'll be recovering from an injury, but I have high hopes for for Cousins and then Aaron uh, Aaron Ashby as well. Um, certainly the um, the similarities between Corbin Burns of 2018 this year, and I'm really excited to see. I, I just have a feeling that he might get a chance at least once in the playoffs to be in a close spot in a big game, maybe eat up a couple innings, and excited to see not only what he can add in the playoffs, but what he can add in the future. Super excited to see what Ashby can do, and those two arms, I think, will be really important in filling that Devin Williams hole and our two arms that I'll certainly be taking a closer look at as the Brewers progress through hopefully a couple rounds into the playoffs. So you mentioned, you mentioned going through the Brewers bullpen further as we took a look at the Brewers postseason roster. It's always an interesting debate on who you add to the roster. It's definitely not always, you know, your top 26 guys because it comes down to matchups. I know they even, I, I was even reading up about uh, Daniel Norris and another lefty to have in the bullpen with, of course, the Braves' biggest bat beat it, being their veteran first baseman, Freddie Freeman. Um, so it's it's always interesting to both analyze beforehand, but also look at what the Brewers actually do select as their postseason roster. So let's jump in to just taking a look at who we would expect to be in the roster with, of course, most of those players being locks. Um, of course, the big, the big three. I know you're not a big fan of the big three phrase, but of course, uh, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, games one through three starters. We debated on whether Burns or Woodruff should be starting game one. Brewers have announced that Corbin Burns will take the ball game one. I don't think that's a wrong decision. Of course, he had the better ERA, the NL leader in ERA. Great year from both those guys. So you know those three guys are going to be there. And you know that, of course, Eric Lauer and Adrian Hauser will also uh, be on the roster with one of those guys getting the game four start. And then... Likely six guys out of the pen, of course, Josh Hader, Boxberger, Suter, Strickland, Cousins, and Ashby, all I believe are locks. What else would you add, David, as far as the bullpen? Probably add one more guy out of the pen. Uh, certainly having either Lauer or Hauser working out of the bullpen works to the Brewers' advantage. Somebody who can provide some length, uh, but also is a, a pretty good guy to come in and get, even if you only need three, four, five outs. Uh, it, I would guess that Hauser is the one who would be moving to the pen, but it's possible Lauer would be. Um, and you were saying about how Norris may be getting out a lefty like Freddie Freeman. Could that impact the Brewers' decision to possibly choose to have Hauser start in game four? 
it's possible. I don't think it's likely. I would guess that they'd go with Lauer. Um, yeah, but Hayter, Boxberger, Suter, Strickland, Cousins, Ashby. Uh, you've got Suter and Ashby among uh, the two or among the group as the two lefties. You look at the Braves roster, and they do have a number of left-handed hitters. Uh, they kind of play the matchup games with their outfield, and then their infield. Um, they've got Dansby Swanson, Austin Riley, both right-handed hitters, and Ozzie Albies, a switch hitter, who actually hits lefties better. Uh, so not a whole lot of uh, left-handed, right-handed disparity outside of, say, the, the situational lefty for Daniel Norris. Um, but personally, I would choose to leave Norris off the roster. Um, I could I could understand the uh, the decision to maybe keep him. But at the same time, you look at his numbers with the Brewers, he struck out uh, just under eight strikeouts per nine, uh, walked almost six and a half per nine innings, ERA of 6.64. Uh, really no aspect of Daniel Norris's performance has been particularly good with the Brewers. And I just don't think that you could trust him really in any spot, even if it is with a lefty. Uh, the three batter minimum rule comes into effect too. So if you're bringing him in for Freddie Freeman, and he's going to be hitting probably second or third. And then maybe he doesn't get Freddie Freeman out and you got to have him face Austin Riley or Ozzy Elvis. It just doesn't create a great situation for somebody who hasn't had a lot of success either with the Brewers or the Tigers. Yeah, I think that's a really good point as far as the situational lefty and the three batter minimum. I mean, we're talking about a situation that's very unlikely to play out in a five game series, a situation where Freddie Freeman comes to the, to the plate and, you know, one or two outs already in the inning, you can be confident that Norris is going to be able to at least get out of the inning um, or you can get another arm in there because, you know, even if Freddie Freeman is leading off the inning late in the game, you really can't put Norris in there and have him face Freeman in the middle of the lineup when you've got guys like, you know, Suter, Boxberger, Cousins, or Ashby in the pen who could be going against those other arms, or excuse me, those other bats. I'd much rather see those arms in the game as opposed to, like you said, Daniel Norris, who's been rather ineffective the rest of the year. So if, if we've pretty much got the lockdown as far as Hader, Boxberger, Suter, Strickland, Cousins, Ashby, and the other starter, who would you select as the final reliever or would it be Daniel Norris? It would not be Daniel Norris. What uh, intriguing arm, if we are going to look at somebody as a lefty specialist for Freddie Freeman, I would really rather have Hobie Milner than Daniel Norris. Uh, if, it, if it were between those two or, or if you wanted like a lefty specialist for Freeman, um, so I, I think that kind of takes Norris out of the equation altogether. Um, Gustave, you could put him on the roster. I don't think he adds a lot. I think he's more of a mop-up guy that if you need two, three innings, maybe you throw Gustave. Uh, but I actually would choose to give the last spot to Brett Anderson. We haven't really been talking about him. We kind of have been expecting that he wouldn't make the roster, primarily because we expected that Devin Williams would be there and there would be no need to have Anderson. But Anderson is someone, just an additional guy that can provide length. Um, and this would especially be helpful in the NLCS where the series is longer. But even in the NLDS, you never know if you might have extra inning games. Maybe a starter gets hurt and he is a lefty. So if you did want to throw him against a Freddie Freeman type, uh, could be beneficial. He's someone that I would, I would trust if you needed to get three outs, six outs. Maybe it's the 11th, 12th inning. Maybe the Brewers are up. 10 to three or something, and you don't want to burn one of your other arms. I would much prefer Anderson uh, and also a veteran with some experience to take that last spot. Not like I would really love to have Brett Anderson pitching in the postseason, 
Um, he's not my favorite guy to watch pitch. I uh, don't think he's the, the Brewer's best arm. Um, as he, he referred to it, the Brewers have uh, five really talented starters plus whatever I am. Um, and he's not wrong about that, but I would probably give that last spot to Brett Anderson, even though he has been a little bit inconsistent and a little bit shaky throughout the regular season. Yeah, that final pitching spot is kind of an interesting one. I think you can make the case for several different guys, and I'm intrigued to see what the Brewers do decide in that final spot for the pitchers. So let's take a look at the the Brewers position players. Again, many locks, of course, Narvaez, Pena behind the dish, and then the infield being Telez, Wong, Escobar, Adames, Urias, Peterson, and then the four outfielders, Yelich, Kane, Garcia, and Taylor which leaves a couple of bench guys and some interesting both bats and uh, defenders. I won't really call JBJ a bat at this point, uh, but certainly a good defender. Uh, most notably, Daniel Vogelbach, JBJ, Jackie Bradley Jr., um, and Pablo Reyes, who's had a decent year as a utility man for the Brewers. So uh, I, don't, I don't think there's anything too much to say as far as the locks, locks across the Brewers position players, but any thoughts on the final spots for the position players on the Brewers 26-man playoff roster? I would choose to give it to Vogelbach and Jackie Bradley Jr. Two, I would say, more of specialists as they are right now as far as the position player side of things goes. You don't really want Vogelbach on the field at first base, uh, but you want him as a pinch hitter, somebody late in the game. Uh, maybe you need a home run and you've got a runner on first, you're down by two, uh, or maybe it's, it's a tie game or maybe – um, you just he, he's a decent bat to have off the benching, especially against right-handed pitching. Jackie Bradley Jr. could be used as a late-game defensive replacement too. Uh, Yelich hasn't really—I mean, he, he's not that great with the with the glove. Uh, and maybe you use Tyrone Taylor earlier as a, a pinch hitter. Then you do put Jackie Bradley Jr. as a defensive sub, uh, even though his offense has slipped significantly. Still an excellent defender. So having someone like Jackie Bradley Jr. who can come off the bench and even at least uh, play some quality defense could be valuable, especially in playoff games where every little, um, you know, the seven feet extra that Jackie Bradley Jr. might cover that Yelich wouldn't could be the difference between an extra base hit versus a flyout. Yeah, defense, of course, being of utmost importance in the playoffs. And he does remind me of, of, of course, one of my favorite players from my time growing up, Keon Broxton the defense first center fielder with, of course, a little pop, uh, but similar batting average, I think, from Jackie Bradley Jr., right? right, Usually right below the Mendoza line, it seemed like. Um, so uh, similar players, Keon, a lot of times, I know he did have that year where I believe he started for part of the season, but for the most part was kind of a 4A guy who would get called up as either a backup outfielder or even in the playoffs, again, being that defense first outfielder, who's also a good base runner. I mean, Jackie Bradley Jr., whether they they put him in defensively or maybe you get a spot where, you know, Telez is on second base with, base with two outs late in the game. You know, you can throw in JBJ, pinch running situation, and then keep him in the game defensively. He, he does add versatility in that front. I think it's a much easier decision uh, for these playoff um, position player roster spots than it is for the pitchers. I think it's clear that JBJ should be there for the reasons that we've mentioned Vogelback, of course, uh, the bat, big bat off the bench, known for the, the walk-off grand slam earlier this year. I still think that makes a lot of sense. And if you look at the Brewers infielders, Telez, Wong, Escobar, Adames, Urias, and Peterson, if if we're under the assumption that Escobar 
starting as opposed to Rias. That leaves Rias and Peterson on the bench along with Tyrone Taylor. And then again, two of the three. So if we're assuming Vogelback and JBJ, it leaves a, a ver- very versatile bench. You've got Urias, who can play around the infield. Jace Peterson, who is, of course, uh, essentially the utility man of the bench. Tyrone Taylor, pretty good defender, good base runner. Uh, not a bad bat as well. And then again, Vogelback and JBJ. So overall, a, a, a pretty good bench, a pretty deep bench. I think that really describes the Brewers' offense. Um, we don't have, you know, the star star power with, of course, Yelich hitting the way he has this year, but just a very good offense. I think you mentioned the Brewers' worst offensive player as far as uh, runs created plus being Luis Urias, who's just barely slightly below average. So a very deep lineup. You don't have a lot of holes, um, but you also don't have necessarily the star power as well. So I think that is pretty clear. Uh, I would be surprised if they, they went with Reyes or somebody else um, in the spot of Vogelback, uh, but certainly we'll see how that pans out. Any final thoughts that you have on the Brewers postseason roster before we move on? I, I remember last year when it was almost like, who can the Brewers put on their postseason roster? Brewers threw David Freitas on there because they're like, well, we might as well. Uh, we don't have anybody else to uh, to put there. Jacob Nottingham uh, was starting for them, as was uh, well, Luis Urias um, was coming off a, a, a bad year. Um, and there were some, I mean, I, I, Ryan Healy being the, uh, the iconic four hitter, uh, for their, uh, their lineup. I think it was, a, I think it was both games. So they're in a much different spot now. I know a lot of people are talking about, um, the offense being not that great. And I'm not saying that it's, it's an excellent offense, uh, but there aren't as many holes as you would think. Um, I think, first of all, I think people are kind of swayed by the, the season totals from, um, from like the overall team as a whole. But I think you have to remember first off that uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. kind of weighs down a lot of the, the totals. So like even they hit 233, which is uh, a good amount below average as a team. Take out JBJ and they hit 239, which I mean, although it's only six points, it does make a difference, at least when you're looking at it. Slugging goes up a good amount as well. Uh, and you were saying... Uh, based off of what I had been saying earlier, they don't really have that many holes. Um, you were saying that, yeah, you, Urias, he actually has been better by, uh, like, by weighted runs created plus than than Kane or than Yelich. Um, but, and Urias doesn't even play every day. Uh, but the Brewers don't have a, a starting position player below 97 weighted runs created play, weighted runs created plus, uh, which is just a hair below league average. So it's not as if the Brewers' offense is terrible like it was last year. Uh, so I, that narrative that the Brewers have a terrible offense, uh, I think, is a, a little bit going too far. They're they're not quite as bad as I think a lot of people, especially the national media, makes it out to be. I think it comes down to also the bias around having the star players, the star bats, you know, the Aaron judges, the guys who get a lot of media attention as well. The Brewers really don't have that. Of course, with Christian Yelich's 2018 and 19 campaigns, he had a lot more of that. Uh, but with the way the offense has been, you know, the best Brewers hitter, at least as uh, his time with the Brewers, probably Adames Garcia has been good as well, but no huge bat. So I think that's also part of the reason. And the reality is too, when you get into playoff baseball, like I mentioned at the start of the podcast, the, the way offensive strategy also changes a lot in the playoffs. And it's about scratching across runs, you know, getting the runner over, making the, you know, ball in play to get the runner over, get sack fly, all those things matter. And 
you know, the big star power, I personally, I think matters a little bit less. So I'm not super worried about the offense. Of course, we've got the pitching staff to go with it. So if the Brewers offense can score a couple of runs a game, I think they're going to be in a very good spot. So uh, no, no reason to beat the, that horse any longer. Uh, let's go move into our final segment of today, previewing the Brewer, uh, excuse me, the pre- previewing the Brewers opponent, the Atlanta Braves uh, and their roster. So first off, David, who are some players that the Brewers should be watching out for uh, in this upcoming series? Got to start with their, uh, their backup shortstop, Orlando Arcia. Um, playoff Arcia might come back to haunt the Brewers. I'm not sure if he'll be included on the roster. I know he was up and down a little bit um, in, the, in the regular season. Uh, and he actually, he was uh, killing the ball in AAA uh, with the Gwinnett Stripers. Um, and, I mean, uh, it was weird to see him in AAA because he, had, he hadn't been in AAA in a while for the Brewers. Uh, but beyond playoff Arcia that we uh, did come to enjoy over the last couple of years, I um, mean, it was only a year ago, actually, that Arcia was hitting home runs for the Brewers in the playoffs. Uh, but the, the Braves have a very good infield. Uh, Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies, Austin Riley, Dansby Swanson. Those are probably their four best position players. Uh, but Adam Duvall is someone that I would uh, kind of zero in on as maybe somebody who could factor in. They acquired him midseason from the Marlins, and I think he finished, I think he led the league in, in RBIs. Uh, power hitter, uh, doesn't walk a whole lot, but he's got good pop. A run producer hitting in that like fifth or sixth spot. One thing that I would be curious on is will the Braves kind of, especially more their position players, kind of run out of gas? Um, Freeman, Albies, Riley, and Swanson all played 156 or more games each. So they really almost never had a day off. Uh, That was partly by necessity because of the injury, uh, primarily to Acuna, but also like Mike Soroka, uh, one of their starters. They lost two of their, their big time performers, one on the mound, one on the field. And they really had to fight for that um, that NL East division championship pretty much all the way through the end. And pretty much every game mattered throughout. Um, but Adam Duvall, someone I would zero in on. Austin Riley, another guy, I think, not to, uh, not to take too lightly. He's had an excellent year, uh, really coming into his own as a third baseman for Atlanta. Those are the two guys on the offensive side of things that I would, um, the two guys that I would really watch out for. Um, as far as the bullpen goes, they have a little bit of an interesting situation where within the last couple of weeks only, they called up two very unheralded relief pitchers, Dylan Lee, a lefty, uh, who was, a, I think, a minor league free agent signing earlier this year, was previously a 10th rounder of the Marlins back, I think, six years ago. And then a righty, Spencer Strider. And I haven't watched the Braves over the last week, but supposedly each of them have looked very good. And there's a pretty good shot that they're going to make the postseason roster. So uh, those are two arms to watch out for that. Uh, I have heard of Lee. I've never heard of Spencer Strider before. I was listening to some pre-series coverage on the Braves. Uh, and those are those are names that I would guess that most of our audience has not heard of. Um, so those are those are a couple names that I would watch out for on the uh, the relief side of things with the bullpen. Um, and then, of course, in the rotation, you got Charlie Morton going game one, a pretty household name at this point, already 37 years old, been in the postseason a lot. And as re- recently as last year was in the World Series with Tampa Bay. Max Fried is also very good, though, left-hander, uh, a little bit on the younger side, 27 years old. Um, and he's put together a nice couple nice years in a row. Ian Anderson, 
uh, a young right-hander. I think he still has rookie eligibility, um, and he had a nice postseason last year. So those are pretty nice top three for the Braves. I think the thing that the Braves do have going for them is, while they're only an 87-win team, they do actually match up with the Brewers pretty well. Those top three starting pitchers have been performing overall pretty well down the stretch. Uh, and they're no Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta, but they are still quality pitchers. And they're the kind of guys that could give you six innings, uh, one run, six shutout innings, uh, maybe a, a seven inning outing if you're someone like Morton or Max Fried dominates. Uh, but they're they're built on their pitching more so. Uh, and then their infield is pretty good where they could, they could scratch off a couple of runs uh, offensively. And their pitching is good enough to hold that lead. Uh, and I, I would not say that this, this should be a kind of a cakewalk of a series. You certainly hope it goes like it did with the Rockies a few years ago, where the Brewers basically shut out their entire offense for the whole series. Uh, but you can't expect that to be the case uh, with a Braves team that, to be honest, is, is pretty good. Uh, they're, they're the weakest team in the NL field, I would say. Uh, but in a five-game series, you could certainly see the Braves beating the Brewers. Um, I was even reading from The Athletic. Out of the eight national writers for The Athletic, three of them uh, chose to have uh, the, Bre the Brewers falling to the Braves in the first round. So certainly could be a, it's a possibility, I would say. Uh, and uh, those are some names to watch out for. Uh, the one thing I would have to note is it's unfortunate that Ryan Braun has retired because Jesse Chavez is on the Braves uh, roster, at least right now. We don't know if he'll be on the postseason roster definitively, uh, but we could get maybe a part two of the walk-off Grand Slam moment from back in uh, 2008. Uh, so that was a long time ago, but just a few names to look out for on the Braves. Wanted to give a few names at each position and uh, kind of go from there. Some unheralded ones in the bullpen. Of course, you got your big starters. Um, possibly even Huascar Yanoa working out of the bullpen could be an X factor in the series, uh, as well as an offense that isn't incredible by any means, isn't, isn't very, very good, but is at least a, at least average. All right. Thanks for that summary, David. There's your Braves roster preview and how they'll match up against the Brewers. So David, what is your prediction for the NLDS series here? Brewers versus Braves. I'm going Brewers in four. Of course, I, I may have some bias to me being a, a big Brewer fan, but at the same time, uh, the Brewers are, I think, clearly better. They've got three of the top 10 starting pitchers in the National League. Charlie Morton's very good. Max Fried is good. Ian Anderson is pretty good, but the Brewers clearly outpace them in that category. Uh, and the, the offense is still good enough where I have pretty good faith in the Brewers. Uh, even though I maybe talked up a few of the, the Braves' bullpen arms just previously, uh, there's still not really a super reliable bullpen. Will Smith has faded a little bit down the stretch. Chris Martin and Luke Jackson, they, they're pretty good bullpen arms, uh, but they're not, they're not lockdown guys that you're necessarily worried of. And some of those, those younger guys, they could break out this postseason, but also uh, they're, they're very unproven. They've never been in any spot like this. So I wouldn't really depend on them for maybe for big outs. So I'm going Brewers in four. I think the Brewers are going to be able to fairly easily handle the Braves. Uh, and that is a, the prediction I'm going with. What is your prediction on the series, Peter? Yeah, I'm going to go Brewers in three. Um, I, I'm excited to see Corbin Burns in the playoffs. Um, happy to, to see 
Burns, uh, Woodruff, and Peralta. And maybe the Brewers can just sweep it right in three games. I think if they can beat Morton, I think that's the game to win. Like you said, good good right-hander, really good playoff um, career, and especially over the last couple of years, he's been really good. So good arm there in game one. I think if Burns can outduel him. Brewers will also, as expected, at least I would expect to see from Craig Council and the coaching staff, to have a little bit of a shorter leash on their starting pitchers. Now, granted, we don't have Wade Miley, Gio Gonzalez, Yolis Chassin uh, starting these games. We have NL Cy Young candidates and two or three legitimate aces out there. So I, I, we're going to see longer leashes than we're used to seeing with like some of those guys I mentioned. But nonetheless, if we do see Corbin Birds getting babbipped, maybe we see the bullpen coming in sooner than we would in a regular season game. Uh, but I think game one's an important one for the Brewers. Of course, a home game as well. So an important game to win. It's important to set the tone as well. They haven't didn't have the, the end of the regular season that they had hoped for. And so I think it's important to step out on the right foot and take game one. I think if they're able to take game one, the rest falls into place. And I've got Brewers in three rolling through the NLDS. And hopefully, David, we don't even need to attend game five in the NLDS, and uh, we can save our money for some NLCS or World Series tickets, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, it would be a fun environment, but I would much prefer to the, for the Brewers to just kind of take care of business in the earlier parts of the series. Uh, and I, uh, both of us clearly are, are confident the Brewers are going to be able to do that. Uh, initially, I was going to talk about our, our full postseason predictions. Um, rather than, I guess, rather than, than keep our, our Brewers bias on the NL side, I'll just stick it with this. Uh, who is your pick to come out of the AL for the for the American League pennant to represent the American League in the World Series? We've got the Rays uh, as a one seed as the champions of the AL East. The White Sox are the three seed coming out of the Central and the Astros, the two seed. Red Sox and Yankees playing right now uh, in the wild card game. Um, I mean, once this podcast comes out, once this episode is out, the game will have long been over, but uh, Red Sox up 4-1 right now in the seventh. Winner of that game plays the Rays. Uh, who is your pick to come out of the American League and face definitely the Brewers representing the <laughs> National League? Of course, that's, that's definitely the hope. I, the AL is interesting. I, I think, of course, as always, a lot of good teams. Rays, a 100-win team uh, for the first time. You think about how good the Rays have been over the last decade. First time the Rays have had 100 wins. So, you know, is this the best Rays team that we've seen? And really, we've seen a lot of good teams from Tampa Bay. So how do the Rays do? Chicago, of course, good pitching staff, good rotation, um, even a good bullpen as well. So I think that White Sox are a very good team. The, the matchup I'm watching would be Astros-White Sox. My pick would be the winner out of that series. I'm going to go with the Astros. Of course, they've got the playoff experience. Carlos Correa has been hot, and he's also coming off of what will be uh, a free agent year for him as well. So interesting to see how that impacts how he performs and also where he will end up. But the Astros have a very good offense. Um, and like I said, have been there a few times as we all know. Um, and so much to my dismay, I think I'm going to go with the Astros. I think they will, will win uh, a tough series against the White Sox and will be my pick for the AL pennant winners this year. Well, I agree with you. The, the winner will come out of that divisional uh, divisional series round or that matchup, but I'm going to go with the White Sox. Um, going with Tony LaRussa's Chicago White Sox, they're young outside of LaRussa, but I believe in their talent. 
I think throughout the regular season, maybe the area where they were lacking a little bit was on the depth side. They lost Eloy Jimenez for a while. They lost Luis Robert for some time. But that kind of goes out the window once you get to the playoffs, uh, assuming players are able to stay healthy. I like the rotation a lot. You've got Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, who's been pitching better as of late, uh, Dylan Cease, Carlos Rodon, uh, and even probably Dallas Keuchel out of the bullpen. Uh, and then that back end of the bullpen, you've got Craig Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks. This is a time where you really lean on your best guys. And I'm pretty confident that the White Sox are going to be able to do that. Uh, I'm, they're my pick to come out of the American League uh, to win the American League pennant. Uh, but that's going to be an interesting matchup. I'm really excited to watch that uh, that Astros-White Sox series. Uh, the the battle of the Septuagenarians. Um, as I, I, Tony LaRussa and Dusty Baker squaring off. 77 years old for LaRussa and 72 years old for Dusty Baker. The oldest postseason matchup uh, in Major League history between managers. So kind of an interesting storyline. Uh, I, I don't think that that's going to steal the show of the series. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, it's a, they, they first squared off 25 years ago, something like that. Uh, so now here we are in 2021, and we've got the same managers. Two, uh, LaRusse is already in the Hall of Fame. Dusty Baker, I think, should be in the Hall of Fame at some point. Uh, managers that are excellent. Uh, and although they're older, they've still been successful at leading their teams to the postseason this year. Yeah, I was actually just going to bring up that Dusty Baker, Tony LaRusso matchup. I think there's somewhere around 7,000 games managed, and that doesn't account for games played. Dusty Baker had a, a very solid career, playing career himself. Um, just had a brief note of the Hall of Fame. I, I agree with you on on Baker being um, – should certainly be in the Hall of Fame. I think you do have to account for the fact that he had a solid playing career, by no means a Hall of Famer, simply by his years and tenure as a player. But combined with the years or decades or centuries – uh, that he's been managing, I think he certainly is worthwhile to be in the Hall of Fame. I think that's a Hall of Fame managerial matchup. And probably the last time we will see a Dusty Baker-Tony LaRussa uh, playoff uh, series matchup is who knows how much longer either of those managers will be managing. And it will be, I think, the series to watch in the American League. I think it's very likely we see either the White Sox or the Astros coming out of the American League. Circling back to the trivia question, going to bring you the answer as always. So just a reminder on what the question was. Uh, it is, when was the last time that the Braves played a postseason game in Milwaukee? With the Brewers and Braves squaring off in the NLDS coming up on Friday. Um, so what is your guess on this, Peter? Just going to ask for a year, not a specific date. Uh, but when do you think was the last Braves postseason game played in Milwaukee? Yeah, so this was a great question as I was as I was pondering this one. Of course, Brewers were in the American League for the majority of their the Milwaukee Brewers existence. So the odds of them playing the Braves in the playoffs, not super likely. Um, trying to recall if they had done that over the last couple of years, and uh, I don't believe they have. So then my brain jumped back to, of course, the 1957 World Series champion uh, Milwaukee Braves. Um, and then 58, I know the Yankees, of course, defeating the Milwaukee Braves in the World Series. So trying to think back as to what year the, the Braves last played in Milwaukee for a playoff series, I would have to go with 1958. That is correct. Uh, I, I doubted you, but you did come <laughs> across, come, come through in the clutch um, in our October trivia questions. 
the Milwaukee Braves were defeated by the Yankees in seven games in the 1958 World Series. Of course, back when the Braves were uh, the Milwaukee Braves, they played there until 1965 uh, at County Stadium before moving to Atlanta. Uh, and I think in 1959 or 1960, they played like a play-in series because they tied in the regular season and the winner won the pennant. But officially, those are not playoff games. Uh, they were they were tiebreaker games. So uh, the, the Braves officially last played a postseason game in Milwaukee back in 1958. So um, I am I am proud of you that you were able to get the correct answer on that one. Just what can I say? Clutch, clutch in October. You can just call me Mr. October. I was just taking a look at game seven of that 58 World Series baseball reference. Um, over 46,000 fans in attendance for that game and only a two and a half hour game, <laughs> which is also very funny. But uh, took a look at at the game. Brewers were, or excuse me, the Braves were up one uh, nothing in the first, then fell behind 2-1, tied it up 2-2 in the sixth and then gave up a four spot in the eighth. I went to look at the Brewers uh, bullpen in that game, Lou Burdett going eight innings and giving up four runs. So they left Burdett in for his full eight innings, including the four spot in the eighth inning, as opposed to going to the bullpen, Don McMahon coming in the ninth uh, with the damage already being done. And the Yankees, Don Larson went two and a third. I'm not sure the reasoning behind the two and a third innings from Don Larson in a start. And then Bob Turley came in relief and just, you know, casually threw six and two thirds in game seven of the World Series um, in a uh, close game to take that one for the Yankees. Just funny to see time uh, has certainly has certainly changed, but uh, only four pitchers used in game seven of the World Series. doesn't really matter what the score would be nowadays in baseball. Minimum game seven, you know that at least six to eight guys are going to be pitching at some point in the game. Um, so funny to think back to that 1958 uh, World Series. And there you go, a rare occurrence today with me actually getting the trivia question correct. And I will say that I didn't think that was a very easy one either. Although the uh, the nineteen was it nineteen sixty um, playoff game that technically doesn't count as a playoff game. That that one really would have been a tough one <laughs> had that been the answer that you were looking for. I don't so. think I would have gone with something that tough because <laughs> personally I probably would not have gotten that one right. Um, but yeah, you were mentioning that Lou Burdett pitching the eighth inning. Even if you you watching the the AL wild card game. Uh, that I've alluded to like seven times so far this episode. Uvalde uh, was really pitching well. And then he allowed a home run in the, the top of the sixth and allowed a single. Uh, and then they took him out, uh, brought in Ryan Brazier, who, I mean, personally, I'd take I'd take Eovaldi. Um, even when the, the Yankees took out Cole in the third inning already, having allowed three runs, I thought it was interesting. Uh, quite con- Quite the contrast from what we would have seen back in 1958, uh, like you were mentioning. And maybe even... And maybe even a swing too far. I think we may get to a point as well, like you mentioned, with Garrett Cole being pulled after three innings. I, I don't know the Yankees bullpen too well, but I'd imagine there's not a lot of arms in the in the Yankees bullpen uh, that are to the level of Garrett Cole, even Garrett Cole on not necessarily his best day. So I, I think it's even chance that MLB has swung a little bit far to the point where it's, you know, the leashes have become so short on starters that I think Craig Council's done a great job of managing that. And I won't get us down another rabbit trail. But before we let everyone go here, of course, Brewers opening up the series, which, by the way, I want to point out, David's wearing a Braves shirt uh, as we record this podcast. <laughs> so I'm not sure the loyalty. It's a, we'll say it's a Milwaukee Braves shirt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With, with what player again on the back? Um, 
Don McMahon, their their relief oh, okay, ace. Of course, we, we were talking yes, about their bull, yep. their bullpen. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> so passed down through Don, six generations. Yeah, you know his Don McMahon player T-shirt. His David recording it the the Brewers Braves playoff. I think series. he actually mm-hmm. led led all jersey sales in 1958. I was reading an article about that. Uh, they, they, that I think Don McMahon was was number one uh, on there. Well, if he sold one, it's possible. It cer- certainly is possible that that he did. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I see the loyalty that David's got for the Brewers here as he records this one in his Braves shirt. But anyways, as we as we leave here, David, your final thoughts before the Brewers start the series on Thursday. Well, one kind of interesting stat I saw, uh, the Brewers finishing 4-10 and 10 at the end of the regular season. The last two teams that have finished a regular season at 4-10 and 10 over the last 14 games, but still made the postseason, both won the World Series. Uh, certainly hope to make that three teams with the Brewers being added on to that stat. Uh, it's kind of one of those stats that it's interesting, but it doesn't matter really. It doesn't doesn't affect anything, but we can pretend it does uh, and give us maybe some added hope uh, for the Brewers as they march into October and hopefully take home the first ever World Series crown and bring it to Milwaukee. Absolutely. And of course, like I said, Brewers, Braves starting that game one of the NLDS on Thursday in Milwaukee at American Family Field. Corbin Burns, Charlie Morton matchup. I really think that game is going to set the tone for the series. Big game for the Brewers. Hopefully they take that one, take this series handily and, and, and take a look at down the road, potentially matching up against the Giants, Dodgers, or Cardinals in that NLCS series. So certainly stay tuned with us. This should be an exciting one. Really, um, best chance Brewers, I, I think we can all agree, best chance Brewers have had um, in the last 40 years to – make to the World Series to win a National League pennant and, and even do compete for a World Series championship. So you can believe that we will have you covered here on the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. So stay tuned as we go through the Brewers, hopefully deep playoff run. And as always, go Brewers. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We would greatly appreciate if you would rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love if you would be willing to support our podcast financially. And you can find the link to do that down below in the episode notes through the Anchor app. Be sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com where you can find great articles and content there. And interact with us at Brewers Podcast on Twitter or Instagram. Thanks for listening and see you next week.